0: I think I came up with a way to pithily identify what this election might be about. For some people, it's between two men. For others, it's between two movements. We'll talk about that and more on this week's Corey True Act Show. This is the best,
1: thing, the best thing.
0: had one of those experiences where you find that if you stop talking and start listening, you can actually learn some stuff. And that's something that happened to me recently when I was hearing some people talk about election 2020. I didn't participate. I just listened. And I think I learned some stuff that I want to share with you on the show. Uh, also, I have some audio from Nancy Pelosi talking about Mother Earth. I got a far, uh, let's call that, well, it's an independent fundamental Baptist is what it's called, Talking about the environment a little bit, Uh, I want to talk about that. And uh, the same way that we need separation of church and state, I want to talk about how we need separation of woke and state. So we'll do that and probably a little bit more on the show today. Welcome into the Corey Truax Show on his radio talk. Thank you for listening wherever it is you listen. If that's 8 a.m. or 8 p.m. on Saturdays, I am glad you do and grateful that you do. You can also find the show wherever you find podcasts. Look for me, Corey Truax. You will find me there. I am also the pastor for teaching at Beechwood Church. Beechwood meets at 1030 on Sunday morning in Greenville, South Carolina. And you can actually find a couple more sermons from me coming up on the podcast feed as I got to continue my Gospel of Mark series this week and coming up next week as well with the really the fulcrum of the book, the, the, the turning point of the Gospel of Mark, which is the declaration that Jesus is the Christ and then the transfiguration. So those will be on the podcast feed if you are so inclined to go hear those. Okay, let's get started. I was listening to uh, a discussion in a social group about this election between a, a Biden voter and a Trump voter, and I know I know them both personally, uh, and we, we're, we, uh, we share some social settings. And here's what I noticed. The Biden voter talked a lot about the men Joe Biden the person and talked about Donald Trump the person. That's where the focus was for that person. And by the way, I wouldn't consider this person to be a real real hardcore left winger and my the Trump supporter is not a really much of a right winger. They're middle middle of the ground type folks who just landed in different areas. But here's what I noticed about the Trump voter. The Trump voter basically never said anything about Biden or Trump. It it was as if he wasn't even talking about an election between two men. He talked about American leftism and talked about burning cities, rising crime rates, higher taxes, more abortions, gender uh, uh, gender confusion, religious liberty, economic health. And there was a, a a real disconnect that I was hearing that for one set of people— This election is about men, Biden versus Trump, and there's another group of people where it's about movements. You can call it right and left if you want. I think this uh, Ben Shapiro book that I've recently finished up, uh, that uh, you could call it integrationist and disintegrationists. that there's a group of people who think that the country is good, uh, has a uh, that that's at, at its fundamental, it's as good as a country can be that the United States has been a, a net positive on the planet uh, and want to see it move forward with some kind of some kind of unity and then disintegrationists who want to shut down, tear down all the structures uh, that, that built the, the country. and so, And so you have the folks uh, that think about this as movements, it's not but Joe Biden and Donald Trump don't even matter. It's that they represent movements. And somehow, it's so mind-blowing, I'm not, I'm not saying it's inaccurate, it's just surprising, that of all people, the host of The Apprentice, what really character-wise, one of the worst people we've ever had in public life, has become the symbol for this integrationist movement or right or uh, rightism like it's it's mind-blowing that he becomes the symbol for economic freedom for low taxes like that's that's a what a weird way that it, that happened he becomes a symbol for religious liberty and those that care about it and it's it's equally disorienting that joe biden who is certainly liberal but generally anodyne and seems affable as a person he has become a symbol for groups that tear up cities and tear down cities. He's become the symbol for uh re- like super high taxes, punitive taxes. He's become the symbol for real radicals on environmentalism and abortion policy. And it's this I, I can't believe I'm, that's the world I'm living in where these two men have become the symbols of the movements. And for those people who are voting based on movement and not the man, the That The two men seem not to matter. Let me say, so I want to say this with some clarity. If it were about the men, Joe Biden is the better man. He's lived a more honorable life. He, now he's senile, but let's take him back five, ten years. He's the smarter man. He's the more qualified. He's the more stately. He's the more dignified. And then you get to the movements, and I want to be just as clear. The movement behind Joe Biden, the movement that is empowered by a Joe Biden presidency, is anti-biblical, it's anti-Christian, and it will be destructive. It will hurt people, hurt lives and property. It—I it, mean, I could give you give you a ton of examples. I think I'm about to here in a second because I can feel myself about to go on a rant. But and then generally, not all of it, but the movement behind Trump has a has problems no doubt but it at large it is the is a clear clear better of the two movements because one of the movements is genuinely trying to tear the country apart wants to see it fall and then be rebuilt in some kind of woke image where the the movement behind the current president of the United States is more integrationist and doesn't want to tear the entire structure down So I I want that moral clarity. Yeah, Joe Biden is a better person. And the movement behind Joe Biden is a really horrific movement. I had another discussion related to this, and then I think I'm going to develop that point about leftism being the destructive movement. Uh, I had a discussion with Wesley. He's a good friend, also the drummer at Beachwood Church, and a listener to the show. So hi, Wesley, if you're listening. And the word I came up with was consequentialism that there's a certain level of this uh, election I'm finding, is it's coming up really fast. Like, it's, it's going to be here quicker than we know. I think it's, uh, it's like one, two, three, it's like six or seven weeks away. That there's a, a consequentialist thinking for some people, too. Like, it's, it's not about necessarily even the movements or the men. It's what is the consequence? What's going to happen on January 20th? 2021. If this person wins versus this person, and I think I've argued recently that the answer is not a ton, and I would, I would still argue that I think the outcome of this election isn't as dire or, or as serious as a lot of folks think it is. But yeah, there's there's consequences, I, and I, I don't. But the ones I'm I'm most thinking about, I don't know uh, if the outcome of a presidential election changes. One or the other. Like, just uh, let me give you the examples. These are also the examples of how, why leftism is the more damaging ideology. You, you just come to things uh, like sex, sexuality and gender issues. It is the American left that is, is defending this Netflix show or Netflix movie, Cuties. It is the American left, or at least in academia, that is getting more and more comfortable with the idea of pedophilia just being a orientation. It's a sexual orientation. It's one the folks on the left will still say, don't take part in it, but it's a completely legitimate orientation to have to be sexually attracted to children. That's a thing happening on the left, not the right. Despite what you hear reported, violence and destruction is not a right-wing thing. Violence amongst each other, like political violence. It happened up in Oregon, maybe, where... There, there is that, that kid, Kyle, whatever his name was, who killed a couple people. There, there was another incident up there, uh, up in Oregon. But in general, what's, what's actually happening is left-wing people are the ones out on the streets, tearing stuff down, burning stuff up. They're, and so the, even that idea, the disintegration, tearing the country apart, It is the left that promotes fable and fallacy and fiction of things like the 1619 Project, that the country is founded on slavery and not founded on the ideas of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. All men created equal, endowed by their creator, and that the story of America is pursuing more perfectly that vision. It is American left-wingism that is causing uh, the disintegration uh, and the chaos and Misconstruing our history and the, the damage that we'll do to kids, hey, the damage that we've done to the family. You know, I'm, I am this super optimist about the future. It's partly because I'm a techno optimist. Like, I believe, in, I believe in the science, the technologies is going to take us to incredible places. Uh, I'll give you one example. I, I've said on the show many times, I think ultimately we solve abortion not through uh, legislation, but through science. Like, we just come up with super-duper-cheap and very available birth controls. We, as we do that more, we eliminate more abortions. The abortion rate's actually going down, and it's not because American people are becoming better people. We're not. It's just because the, the tactics are getting better. Uh, eventually, science comes along and finds a way to, to take a child outside of the womb and create a, an environment where that child can grow. Uh, you could actually end abortion through science. You don't actually have to do it through the legislation. Now, it would be best if we did it through the gospel. It changed the pe- people's hearts. But So here I am, this very optimistic person over what we've done as a culture the last 50 or 60 years economically and technologically. I- I'm, I'm heartened by the fact that uh, 30 years ago, it was like a billion people on the planet lived in abject poverty and it's now less than I, th- it's like, th- it's, it's definitely like a hundred, it's like a hundred million now. Like it was, it was like 10% of what it was. And that's still a hundred million too many, but to think the kind of progress we've made on people not living in abject poverty on this planet. Like we've, we've made all this progress. And at the same time, while we've made it technologically and medically and economically, we've seen humans fall apart. When we saw families fall apart, when the nuclear family became something we denigrated and didn't respect, and dads and moms started very regularly getting divorces, and kids grew up in single-parent homes, as we have now with all of our economic health and all of our opulence and technologically and medical advancement, we also have the most miserable people. Just highest rates of anxiety and depression. We got all kinds of mental health issues. And so, yeah, we advanced in a lot of ways, and then we also have fallen apart in some ways. And so, here I am as this optimist, and I, but I look back and see where we've come on issues of family and life, and I know what caused that. Well, that was American leftist secularism. In part, it was the, the second or third wave, I guess third wave, third wave of feminism that caused some of that. The The lack of... Judeo-Christian values that separates childbearing and rearing from marriage, that the two should be inextricably linked. Like, these things have caused destruction and it came from American leftism. And so for those who look at consequentialism, what's the consequences of an election? Are they looking at movements and not men? I do see where they're coming from as Trump voters. As I said last week, I still can't do it, but I do, like I get it, and hearing that conversation Made me think about it differently and recognize that that's that's part of our issues more broadly is often two people think they're talking about the same thing and they're not. So maybe use that as a tool. If you talk about election stuff with family members, coworkers, stuff like that, let's make sure we're talking about the same things. Are we talking about the two men? Are we talking about the two movements? or are we talking about consequences? I, I could stay on what we're doing right now for a while and talk about how leftism is a damaging ideology that hurts people. Uh, it's uh, To me, again, I don't want to defeat the left. I don't want to own the libs. I want to convince them. That's, that's my goal is convince people not not to beat them or defeat them. So that's, I, I could spend a lot of time on that. I don't think that's the best use of our time from here. So we're going to move on. When we come back, I want to play play for you some audio from Nancy Pelosi from a recent... Uh, sermon clip I saw on Twitter I will talk about the separation of woke and state we'll do that and more when you come back for the rest of the Corey Truax show welcome back to the Corey Truax show find me on Facebook Twitter or Instagram look for me Corey Truax you will find me there it's quite easy And when you share the show, support the show on any of the the podcasting apps, I am grateful. And thank you for listening on His Radio Talk as well. I want to play for you now some audio from Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House. Because, uh, well, I guess I have several points to make here. So I'm just going to let her talk, and then we'll make the points as we go. Um, She was, in particular, asked a question about the uh, wildfires out in California. Really tragic situation happening out there. Quite sad indeed, but she uses that as a platform to say some other things, and I think it demands response. Uh, so here is Nancy Pelosi. We have these fires in California, and in the West, uh, 16 people have died in Washington, Oregon, and California, uh, including a firefighter and a one-year-old baby. Uh, we, Our firefighters have been so very, very courageous. Now we're again breaking records. Mother Earth is angry. She's telling us whether she's... T- I'm sorry, what? Mother Earth is communicating now? Can I ask you a question? How is that any different than Pat Robertson? You know how Pat Robertson rightfully gets in trouble all the time for when he says, uh, God is punishing this island because of their paganism or idolatry. So Haiti gets hit with an earthquake, and so God says he's, he sent them an earthquake for to, to punish them. Or uh, I, I don't remember, there was... There was one that was a hurricane, and Pat Robertson said, God sent that hurricane as a punishment for fill in the blank. How, and then he gets made fun of for saying stuff like that. What is what is any different here? About Nancy Pelosi saying, Mother Earth is angry. So I guess Gaia is angry, the Earth goddess. And so she's reacting by sending us wildfires and I think hurricanes. I have more to say on this, but here's more from Nancy Pelosi telling us with hurricanes on the Gulf Coast, fires in the West, whatever it is, that the climate crisis is real and has an impact. Wowzers, I have so much to say. Number one, I didn't know she was a pagan, like an actual real pagan. Like we say pagan, it's like a word to say non-believer, but actually pagans are believers. And the original pagans were like naturalist people, like they believed in the nature as the gods. And so Mother Earth is speaking to us. So that's one. She's a, she's a pagan, obviously. Now, number two, there, there, we should have some kind of recognition on the reality that you know hurricanes have happened all the time. These aren't new. Uh, wildfires, not new. And not even particularly, by the way, uh, when we have some kind of the history that we do have, not all that much more intense this is part of our issues with weather events, is we've only been keeping really good track of weather events for maybe a couple hundred years, probably a little less than 200 years, and then even there, we're not totally sure because people didn't live all over the globe. You know, like, there were weather events happening in places where no one lived, or at least there was no, people weren't traveling out of those places to take the news, there was no media, like, we, there's been big tragic events happening all over the planet since the planet's inception or at least since sin entered the world and so uh, there's a, there is a there's almost like a the word for that is the opposite of oh yeah it's it's gnosticism that's the word i'm thinking of there's like a a, a secret knowledge of what the world should be like this is what the weather, weather weather patterns of the planet should be and so one she's she's a pagan apparently because there's mother earth which we should laugh at her the same way that Pat Robertson gets laughed at for saying that she, she knows what Gaia wants uh, and we need to appease the planet. And then number two, there's this idea that she knows what the weather's supposed to be like where it's, it's, it's always, we've always had tragic weather events. This is not abnormal for human history. But here's the last one, last point. This paganism, this idea that the earth, the mother, Gaia, is punishing us for our sins, this is supposed to be from the leader of the party that says of the other party and says of people like me on the right, you guys are anti-science. Um, n- none of us over here are talking about Mother Earth. You, you want to tell me about Smokey the Bear as well? Like, come, come on. You- you're the science people, and you're the ones talking about Mother Earth? Now, granted, this is-, this is old right-wing talking points, but they're accurate. You know, Sometimes talking points are just accurate. Like, you are the party of science, and you're the ones that tell me men can have babies. Uh, so, so this is not, by any stretch, the, the party of science. No, that made me think of something that I have to touch now, and, the, and then we'll go on to the next piece of audio. It occurred to me, one of, the, one of the inconsistencies of leftist ideology, one of the ways that their ideology doesn't make any sense, and it is around gender, where they, they tell me that gender is a construct. There is no such thing. So there is no such thing as masculine things and feminine things. They don't, they don't actually exist. We decided that, you know, culturally it was decided, that boys played with trucks and girls played with dolls, that girls would wear pink and pastels and guys would wear blue and darker solid colors. That was all socially constructed. It's not real. There's no masculine or feminine instinct. That's the left-wing theory of gender and then also we get to a uh, a child who is going to switch switch their gender and the the evidence we're given is for a little boy who wants to become a little girl well he always wanted to play with the dolls and the wanted to wear pink okay well that's meaningless you already told me that's meaningless that there's no such thing as masculine and feminine this is actually a problem they run into them for themselves because when there's supposed to be no distinction, there's no distinction between men and women, there's no difference, there's utter utter equality, then why would anyone ever want to change from one to the other? They are the same. It's a, it's an ideology that eats itself constantly. There's certainly some ex- examples of that on the right as well, but they're all over the left, like the the inconsistencies and the hypocrisy, because that's what a a broken brain will do. All right, that was a digression. I need to come back. So there's Pelosi. And her uh, paganism, her Gnosticism of knowing what the weather should be like, and then being the uh, party of science. Next, I want to play for you this sermon clip. I think I've mentioned before I have, uh, i listened to these clips on Twitter from a page called IFB Preacher Clips. It's from a part of the Baptist world I used to be in that I'm not in anymore. And uh, it, he's got some interesting things to say that I want to address. His name is... Pastor Danny Castle, I believe he has a church up in North Carolina that he pastors. Um, he's going to talk about some environmentalism type stuff, I think. Here, so let's uh, let's listen to Pastor Danny Castle for a minute.
1: Hey man, we 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 made a god out of the environment. Oh poor old retarded Al Gore and all them Greenpeace people, environmental people, they've lost their mind. We've made a god
0: out of the environment. Now, really quick. Um, that word he called Al Gore not a fan. It's not for that's uh, not for adults to use for one another. Not decent, dignified people. So that's one, two. Thus far, except for the screaming and yelling tone that I don't understand the purpose of. He's not wrong. There is a a chunk of the American culture, not very large, but worships the environment. There is an alternative religion to Christianity that is environmentalism not environmental conservation. I want to make clear here, before we get into the rest of this, the Christian worldview on the environment is that we are here to subdue it. That doesn't just mean use it all. That that means be a good manager of what the Lord has given us. So be strategic, get a a count of the resources you have and don't squander them. Don't, Don't use them poorly. That, that includes our environment and the resources in the earth, of the earth, in the sea. And so, uh, thus, thus far, he's not wrong. There is a group of America that worships the environment.
1: There are actually people that go around preaching that it's a Christian's job to save the environment. And protect the environment. There ain't nothing like that in the Bible. You know what God thinks about the environment? The Bible said in second Peter chapter
0: 3, he said he's going to burn it up with a fervent heat. God's going to burn the whole thing up. Won't he? Well... Now we're running into some problems. So, uh, yeah, there are people that preach Christians should save the environment. I don't. If that's being preached, I'd like to nuance that. What should be preached is what I just said. When it comes to the environment and Christians, we care for it. We, we do know it's a tool for our good. We uh, The same way the animals are. The earth was given to humanity to subdue and to manage, but it is given to us as a gift. God partners with his image bearer, men and women, to manage the earth and so the earth is a gift to us to uh, to enjoy and also to manage so not to save the planet but certainly not to uh, there is no biblical room for taking it for granted we've been given this good gift is it isn't that one of the the hardest things with kids sometimes is you give them this great gift and they don't take care of it and then it feels like an insult to you because you worked hard to provide this gift and then they don't take care of it. They don't manage it well. Well, here's the Lord and all of his glory and wonder giving us this earth, giving us the Grand Canyon and the Pacific Ocean and the Red Rocks of Sedona and the Alps over in Europe and the Coral Reef. He gives us this incredible thing, and it is there is no room inside the Christian world for not taking good care of what we have. You know, and that's just the visual wonders. The fact that he gives us the things in the environment that can create uh, all the iron ore or plastics and like all the stuff that we do have that's incredible, awesome tools for us. It is the Christian's duty to manage it well. But then I remembered why the secondary reason I wanted to play this clip. The secondary reason is this. the There are consequences to theology. And he has this theology that he's quoting here from 1 Peter. He's He is quoting it incorrectly. That the earth is going to be burned up. That is his eschatology. His eschatology is eventually God is actually going to set this earth on fire and burn it up. And therefore, if God is going to set the earth on fire and burn it up, why would we care? So there's consequences to theology. I'm going to correct that theology in a minute. But it's good for us to know some of the things people think, they don't just think them. There's consequences to what they think. Here's more of Danny Castle. Rocks and
1: trees, Smoky Bear, I mean the Grand Canyon, the Blue Ridge Parkway. The Lord's going to fry it one of these days, and he's going to make a new earth. We're not environmentalists. We are Christians trying to get somebody saved.
0: I was preaching somewhere, and I... And that's a good place to stop and explain the difference here. Uh, that's not biblically true. The earth is not going to be burned up. That is not God's heart towards this earth. uh, In Romans 8, we find that the earth groans to be renewed, not that it's groaning to be destroyed. The picture, full picture of Scripture, has been this. God made an earth, put mankind on it, and then dwelt with his people. He, He got to live on this earth. He got to be in community with his people that he made on the planet and then sin broke that and then there became space where god lives and then space where we live and the space where we live was was here on this earth and then god allowed us to come into communion with him in other ways so through the ark of the covenant and the holy of holies in the tabernacle god can meet with man again there's a space where we can be together and then later in the temple in the holy of holies here's a space where we can be together then ultimately through jesus literally god putting on flesh as we're coming up towards Christmas season, that's what the veiled in flesh, the Godhead, see, uh, hail the incarnate deity, of hark the herald angels sing. Then Jesus brings together a place where God and man can be together. And you can see the, the tension here. The plan of redemption is for God and man to be together again on the good world, on the good earth that God created. This, this language is decently easy to, easy to explain from First Peter. Um, but when you look at it in the context of all the rest of Scripture, the, the plan is a renewed heaven in a new earth, not just a new heaven in a new earth like this one gets burned up. It, those, even those words, you get to some of the original language, it's about renewal. The, the idea for, for God isn't to scrap what He did, it's to renew it, to redeem. He's a God of redemption. Not a God of throwing off what he did once and then trying again, as it were. No, we're, we are the people of redemption. The story of scripture is redeeming us and redeeming the earth, not burning it up. And it's, but again, consequences. When you think that the earth is going to be burned up in fire, then you don't think the earth matters and you aren't a good steward of the resources God has given us in our environment.
1: And, and by, uh, this will never happen here by the grace of God. I, I hate to go up a road and see this highway has been adopted by such and such Baptist youth. And they think that's serving God. All the, uh, that's their youth activity. They go out on Saturday and pick up
0: the beer cans. The sinners throw it out on fr- So hold on a second. So you're criticizing people now because like he actually is bothered for a church that would adopt a highway, adopt a road, and keep it clean. So, sir... This is actually one of the ways that we serve our neighbor as ourselves. You let you lo- excuse me, love your neighbor as yourself. To Jeremiah twenty nine, where it says work work for the welfare. Or it's pray or work for the welfare of the city where you live. That's a let your light so shine. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I'm just doing this off the top of my head, guys. Like, yeah, this is good stuff to do in your community. To go be a part of those who are cleaning up highways. To increase the, uh, the quality of life for those that live in the same community you do, that's a good thing for a Christian to do, and it doesn't deserve criticism here from Pastor Danny Castle. Friday night, and they, we're
1: serving God. I'm going to tell you something, brother. I, I ain't going to pick up—God didn't call me to pick up beer cans. The sinner—God called me to preach the devil out of the sinners, and then they'll quit drinking beer.
0: Ain't that right? Wow, that's a lot wrong here. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, so um, the equating of the beer-drinking— with these are the sinners. We obviously have a problem there. I've covered it before, uh, talking about the theology of alcohol. I won't retread that ground. But like him, for him to say specifically, I'm not picking up anything off the side of the road. You know, I, I wonder, sir, about you know, the, the heart of a servant, the, the, the humble heart. You know, I saw a friend on Facebook who volunteered time after a big storm in Greenville to go clean up. Clean up branches and stuff. This is a good. It's a good thing to do for your neighbors. Churches get, getting out into the community to do those things. So to for, for you to say I wouldn't do it, like you you wouldn't serve your neighbor that way. That's a a problem of your own pride and your own theology. Again, a particularly problem of theology is thinking that First Peter means God is literally going to set the earth on fire. Right?
1: we're we're crazy in this generation we we made a god out of the environment you say well brother danny uh uh don't you you mean you believe it's all right to litter yeah you've heard me before i i tell you what i believe i think it's a sin to throw down a piece of paper inside of a twenty
0: thousand dollar car wow whoo the ignorance of that just think about it theologically for a minute here's this earth god made and he saw it and said it was good He made the land and the trees. He saw them and said they were good. And then he invites man in and says, subdue the earth and and work it. Work the ground. This this, this thing he made, it's good. It's a good gift. And then there's a $20,000 car. Something that in one way, uh, the the brilliance that God placed in man, the thought processes, the synapses, the computation. Yes, God did those good things in man to make a car. So I, even, I look at a car and you can see the glory of God in it. You really can because of humans using the minds and, and, and hands that God gave them made it. But it is something that man made using the gifts God gave. The planet itself is the work of his hands as we are we are the we are the work of his hands actually i'm going to uh, i need to modify that uh, the language of genesis and it's highly poetic here but it was only humanity was made with god's hands he went he got down in the dirt to make man he otherwise spoke everything into existence but the earth is the thing that god made with his voice he spoke it into existence and to say i would rather litter that does affect other people and also would diminish the artwork God made on the earth, that's a better thing to, to do than to drop it in my Honda Accord. That's a level of ignorance that really, I mean, there should be like a church discipline situation on that. That's a really horrific thing to say.
1: Things cost too much. And the reason you don't understand that, your mind is warped.
0: Listen, somebody said, well, what about Mother
1: Earth? The Earth ain't our mother!
0: I agree, obviously. Nancy Pelosi was just saying the Earth was our mother, and I had criticism for that. I also don't know why a guy will never understand these folks in the amount of screaming. There's just so much screaming, and I just feel like there's better ways to communicate than all of the screaming. All right, so there you go. There's a, a Christian ethic of two things. One is how how we think about the environment, the world around us. But the the bigger one I wanted to get to there was the consequences of scriptural interpretation. That this guy, his incorrect uh, practical way of life point about being cool with littering and not caring about the environment, it comes from a misunderstanding of thinking the earth is literally going to be burnt up. And so uh, this is really really important that we actually get our theology correct because when you get your... How do I say this? When you get your orthodoxy wrong, that's how you, what you believe, you're going to get your orthopraxy wrong, that's how you live. So it's important that we're very careful about what we believe. I'll be honest, I don't know what we're doing when we come back. I have a menu of things before me, and we will be on our final segment. So I will let the mystery titillate you into desiring to come back for the final segment of The True Act Show. We'll be back in just a bit. And for the final segment of The Cory Act Show, I think we will do two things to finish it out. But let me first remind you that you are listening to his radio talk. Thank you for listening there. And wherever you find the podcast, I am grateful when you share the show, an angel gets its wings. That's not true. Angels don't have wings. And there is no cosmic consequence to you sharing this show. It just makes me happy. That's what happens there. And again, you can also find the Gospel of Mark series out on my podcast feed if you are so inclined. Let's get going. One quick word on this. Football is back. Maybe we'll have the sports segment restart. I don't know. But uh, I do know this. Life has not felt right since March. Like, we've had the shutdowns. Everything's been weird. COVID wrecked everything. I went over to Heath's house, the, my, my best friend who has, uh, you know, he was on the show week after week during, back when we had sports segments. Went over to his house to watch the Clemson game. That was just a couple days after I stayed up a little later than I'm used to to watch the Texans and the Chiefs play. And there was something. There was something about football and the power it had over the American mind. It almost seemed normal, guys. I went to the grocery store Saturday morning and there was orange being worn everywhere. And I don't even like college football that much. I I, I almost find it almost religious how much people like college football. But I, I, something about that, I loved it. I, I was riding home from watching that game and I got into my subdivision and there's a couple houses in my subdivision that I just know traditionally, they, they are the houses that host watch parties for football and all those houses were full of cars. You know how long it's been since we've seen that? I mean, it's been six or seven months since I've seen a driveway and a cul-de-sac just full of cars because people were getting into the same place to watch because you're not supposed to do that, right? That's all against the rules. And it, it just seemed like it, it brought some normalcy and it felt so good. Now, I say all that and it feels so good. I'm so glad football's back. I, I, I do have some th- reactions to some conversations that I had, especially on social media about it. I posted on Facebook that I was excited about the NFL coming back last Thursday and I was going to watch. And some people that I guess would call themselves conservative, I think they would, um wanted to argue they wanted to talk about how that was a bad thing to do don't watch the NFL e- even I don't think he'll mind he, he listens my own dad uh hi dad uh let me preface this by saying uh all the all the good things about me are to the credit of my heavenly and earthly fathers they did a like he my, my dad my dad's the best one I promise the guy's incredible uh, all the bad things about me are my own dang fault that's one of my catchphrases but, but I mentioned watching the NFL, and my dad had a, a reaction that was like, why would you watch the NFL? And I, I just got to admit, I don't understand that at all. And it just makes me like wonder, like did, did you ever actually like football? Did any of you actually like football? Football is fun. It's the greatest sport that was ever made. It is so much fun to watch. If you get enjoyment out of it, why on earth... Would you let someone else's opinion, like some player doesn't think what you think, why would you let that stop you? Why would you let that keep you from something you love? And I, I thought several analogies, like we don't do that with movies and TV. We don't need Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio to stop being a crazy environmentalist to enjoy his movies. He's just really good. So I want, I want to watch his movies because he's great. Uh, the guy who directed the Batman movies, that was so good, I forgot his name. I think he did the 1917 movie as well. He's so good. He's also a wild leftist, the director of those movies. James Cameron. No, it's not James Cameron. But anyway, whoever did those. Yeah, he makes great movies. I'm going to watch those. It doesn't bother me that he doesn't think what I think. And I don't... like. I understand there's a lot of people that I love that it, it is bothersome to them that, well, the NFL players don't think what I think. And so I... I mean, back when it was Kaepernick, it was they don't stand for my special song. When the song plays, they don't stand. It hurts my feelings. I said this said this to my dad. I, I actually find that to be one of the most snowflake attitudes. It's usually the folks who complain about the NFL. They're the ones that call people snowflakes. It's but it's that group that gets their feelings hurt. And then I'm not watching. I'm not watching your TV show. I'm not watching your sport. Why? why if, well, if you don't want to watch it, I do mean this. Like. If you don't want to watch it, if you don't get pleasure out of it, enjoy, don't watch it. Why on earth would you watch it? But if it's something you like and enjoy, then don't let someone else's opinion rob you of it. I mean, just it seems like an, a really miserable way to live, honestly, and also a little snowflakey because you're, you're allowing yourself to be offended out of doing something you would otherwise want to do. And so that's, I guess that's my football thought. Like it, it felt so good to have it back. And then I, I get grief from some folks for watching the NFL. Guys, it's my favorite thing in the world to watch. There's not a TV show better for me. I understand people like different kinds of stuff. They like to read more than I do, or they like their video games, or TV shows, or shows they want to watch, or music they want to listen to. If you, you give me the choice of any entertainment in the world, I am watching the NFL. There's nothing like it in the world. And then there's all the other stuff that the consequence to that, like the idea of them not agreeing, agreeing with me. And I would imagine, I don't know, 80% of those players don't think what I think politically. I don't care. This is fun. This is really, really fun stuff, and I'm going to watch it. I guess there is some line. There's a limiting principle. Uh, they could all become Satan worshipers, and I'd be like, hey, can we find a league that doesn't have Satan worshipers? Cause I, I, I probably shouldn't watch these guys. And because I still want to watch football because football is awesome. You know, I even, you know, I'll go, I'll I'll make the other side mad here really quickly. So I think the people who complain about the NFL are are being a little snowflakey. But then there were folks on the left who who had their bellyache over this. You know, at the beginning of the season, the Texans and the Chiefs met at midfield and linked arms as a show of unity. That is what the announcer said. It was for a symbol of unity or show of unity. And people in the stands booed. And, and so, the folks, I guess on the, I guess I say the left, maybe it was left left winger winger types were upset about that. How like why would you boo Unity? Well, is that what they're doing? Were the fans in Kansas City booing Unity? <laughs> were were people on Twitter and Facebook going, uh I hate Unity. Unity's terrible. I want disunity and all kinds of arguments. That's what we want." Like at least be honest enough to recognize why people don't like it. They. What they, what they see is activism, and what they want is fun. And so they boo. Like, I came to the game because I wanted fun. My desire was fun. This is supposed to be a fun activity. And instead of getting a fun activity, you're not giving me a fun activity. You're giving me some kind of show of unity. And so that's what they're booing. They're booing activism as part of the game. Guys, I, I go even further. Before this Kaepernick thing ever started, I wondered why... Before my basketball games in high school, we were saying the Pledge of, Elite, Pledge of Allegiance and playing the national anthem. Like, why are we? Did did any of us come here for an America party? I came to play. Let's play. And before the NFL, like Super Bowls, my whole life, there'd be a American flag the size of the field, hundred yard flag, and someone singing the national anthem all fancy. And I would think, wait, wait, why? Why are we doing doing that? I thought we came to play. Let's play. Let's 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 do football. That's our thing. So whether it's the activism or the America party, either one, like you're mad at one. I'm not a particular fan of the other, but man, I just want to play football. And can we do that and just have fun together with some football? For some people, the answer is no. I refuse to have fun because these people don't agree with me. All right, that seems like a miserable way to live, but okay. And by the way, it's only a miserable way to live if you actually like football. So, and I wonder if, it's, if anyone exists in that category. Like they really love football. And they miss it. Like, they really want to be watching. And they've chosen not to because they're offended at football players. I think, likely, there were just some casual fans. And, you know, they might watch 15 or 20 minutes of a game. And then they think there's some kind of right-wing virtue signaling. Usually it's left-wing virtue signaling. This is right-wing virtue signaling that, well, a good person would watch these people because of fill-in-the-blank, whatever thing you think the NFL players do, they shouldn't do. And so it ends up being just a different kind of virtue signal. All right, that's it. I got to move on because we're running out of time. I know I've already said on two different episodes that leftism has become a religion or wokeism. There's a, that there's a, all the trappings of religion have been attached to leftist wokeism. Not necessarily American liberalism, but this radical thing that I would put in Antifa, the organization that is BLM, the organization, not the movement, not the statement, but the organization, uh, the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez types, like there's, there's religion. They're actually practicing a false religion. And I want to develop that a little bit more with, an, uh, with a, a point to it. So I've mentioned before, the definitions of a worldview, which I think can also be applied to religion, is when you have answers for Where do we come from? What went wrong? And how do we address it? So the Christian religion or worldview, where do we come from? All men are made in the image of God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He made it. Well, what went wrong? Sin went wrong. Sin is, uh, is transgression against God. That broke everything. And how do we address it? Well, we use the image of God on ourselves to subdue the earth. We spread the gospel and eventually Jesus returns. That's how we answer those questions. Islam has answers to those questions. Where do we come from? They have their own creation story. What went wrong? They have their own creation story. They have their own story. And how do we address it? Well, we spread Islam all over the world. So there's a, those are your answers. And in leftist wokeism, where do we come from? Uh, we come from colonialism, the the American culture. We come from power structures. Uh, what went wrong? Privilege. Privilege went wrong. Some people had privilege and some people didn't. And how do we address it? we seek out power to realign resources. So it has, it has its own religion. And I've mentioned even before, it has its, its own language. So it says, you know, being woke. Being woke is how you get into their religion. The same way with Christianity, you are born again. We might use that language. Or you convert. So they have their own wokeism. We're starting to see it has all the other trappings of religion. I promise I'm going somewhere, guys. I'm not just retreading old content. It has its own art. I would consider the murals of, for example, George Floyd, a guy who was wrong, treated wrongly by police, but it's by no means to be lauded. I mean, he has, he has a really dark past. That, that's a piece of their artwork, That the same way that religions have the, the Sistine Chapel or the Muslims have that big black cube thing, wherever that thing is. It has its own literature. So the same way that for Christianity, we have the Bible... And then, I, and then, way, way, way down the line, it's not even close. Uh, it's, not, it's not in the same category. We'd have things like uh, Calvin's Institutes, or we'd have the the Reformation literature, the 95 Theses, something like that. in like um, all the other religions, they have like the, the Talmud for for the Jews. They have their own literature. It comes from the universities. It's something called the the Grievance Studies Group, the Women's Studies, and African American Studies, where you have the literature produced to define the to define the religion, it, it has its own origin story. You know, I said, where did we come from? As the, as the answer to that question, they even have a microcosms of that with things like the 1619 project. They have their own story. So there's the actual truth of what the history of the United States, and then there's things like the 1619 project. This stories and fables they made up because it's part of the religion. The same way that, like, listen, the Mormons, they have. A version of events where Jesus, for some reason, went to Missouri. I think it was. Maybe that's Jehovah's Witnesses. his witnesses. Um, they ha- so they have their own their own history. They tell that Joseph Smith found the golden tablets with from the angel Moroni, right? So, and lo- leftist wokeism has the 1619 project. They even have uh, their their values against pluralism or anti pluralism. So Christianity is a pluralism. We. We believe in one truth, but we we believe in the the idea that everybody can can live by their own conscience. But there is only the one, and Christians should spread it. And then there's anti, or there's leftist wokeism that says uh, we are not pluralist. There is the one, and no one can think anything else than what we do. They have their own articles of faith when it comes to pronoun use. That just calling men she and calling. Women, he is an act of faith. There's no science or rationality to it. They have their own language. Things like complicity that you, even if you, uh, even if you don't participate actively, you're complicit in systems. And so it's becoming so clear. I think I just made that case in less than ten minutes. It's obviously religious, and the argument that we need to start making more of is for a separation of woke and state. That we need to get wokeism included on the list of religions that you can't teach in school. So the same way that Christians can't teach its, its origin story of Genesis, well, we shouldn't also be teaching the 1619 Project, because that's a religious story. It's just the story of the, of the leftist wokeists. When we teach language, we, need to, we can't teach the pronoun usage of leftist wokism because that's religious language, and there should be that separation between church and state, and wokism is now a church. I've run out of time. I want to develop that more. We'll do it some other time on the show. If you share the show on social media or with others, I'm grateful. I'll be back with another another new edition next week. Until then, everybody, peace and love.